This is the Virginia Council for the Social Studies Podcast, Content Classroom, and I am your host, Sam Futrell. Today's episode deals with an issue that has been looming over the Virginia Commonwealth for the past six months, the review of the history and social studies standards. In this episode, I am joined by members of the Virginia Social Studies Leaders Consortium who have recently released their own proposed combined standards document that they created alongside the Virginia Association for Supervision and Curriculum Development and the American Historical Association. We'll explore that document as well as the process that led to the creation of this combined and collaborative standards. One quick plug before we begin, if you have not heard, aka if you have been living under a rock, the Virginia Council for the Social Studies Conference is back. And dare I say, better than ever? This year, our conference will be held in person in Richmond, Virginia on March 24th and 25th at the beautiful Virginia Museum of History and Culture and the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. And our keynote will be none other than Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. Now, I don't know if it'll be better than ever, but it'll definitely be better than the last three years when we didn't even get to have a conference. I am so excited to see all of you in person again and to connect with all of the social studies educators inside um, Virginia. It is going to be a fantastic time. So all of the information for the conference, probably more than you would ever want, is actually on our conference website. We will link that in the show notes so that you can register today. And now, here's our show. Welcome back to Content to Classroom, everyone. I am here today with some of the leaders of the Virginia Social Studies Leaders Consortium. Our guests today are Bo Dickinson, Dr. Masayahu Israel, and Dr. Taylor Snow. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for having us. Before we get started, let's just kind of introduce yourselves. Um, tell our listeners, you know, maybe a little bit about yourself, what you do, and also if someone could just tell our listeners who maybe don't know, what is the Social Studies Leaders Consortium and what do you all do in Virginia? I'm Bo Dickinson. I'm the uh, History and Social Science Supervisor for Rockingham County Public Schools. Uh, I also currently serve as the treasurer of the VSSLC. And VSSLC is uh, an organization of primarily started off as specialists, uh, curriculum specialists in school divisions, um, people like the three of us. And that has expanded to include uh, university professors that work in the content area of history and social science, uh, or more broadly, the humanities. Uh, We have museum educators. Uh, and we have a, a number of people just in the history and social science education field. Uh, anybody that's in a nonprofit capacity in that regard can join us as an advocacy organization to just improve social studies, history and social studies, social science education. Former president of VSSLC and uh, had the honor of planning one of our uh, joint ventures of the Uh, state conference uh, before the pandemic. In fact, we were the last one right before uh, all that mess uh, confronted all of us. And uh, we're glad to be back uh, for the first time I hear in Richmond coming up in the spring. So uh, that'll be uh, you and Masiyahu and uh, (laughs) that that collaborative effort. So uh, we're looking forward to, to coming back. I think the last one was when I was working with Kirk Moyers, who's from here in Harrisonburg City, 
and it was Katie Blomquist and uh, that crew. And we were in Williamsburg, I believe. And Sam, I believe you were recognized with the Civil Rights, Civil Liberties Teacher of the Year Award. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I was. And it's funny because the first time I ever met Bo was when he was handing me a globe on stage. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so you know, we go way back to 2019. Um, and yeah, we are really excited to be working with the consortium to uh, make our first in-person conference in three years uh, coming up in March. Um, thanks, Bo. And uh, Masayahu, do you want to go next and just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do with the consortium? Yes, I'm the current president of the Virginia Social Studies Leaders Consortium. I was elected to a second year under an emergency protocol as we needed to ensure that the organization going through the process of all the changes post-COVID um, maintained um, you know, the projects that were already in place under my first year. And um, I've been history social science teacher for many years. I was 15 years in the classroom. I'm in my 25th year in education. The remainder of my time was spent between being an instructional coach in history and social science, an instructional specialist, a supervisor and coordinator for K-12 history and social science. Um, I'm the host and lead lecturer of the Leading by History Collective host of the Leading by History podcast, and um, this is the work that I do every day in, in um, is the work of history and social science and marrying higher education and academic uh, knowledge and expertise with the K-12 space so that teachers have uh, the information and knowledge that they need without having to spend hours and hours reading books and combing through academic texts. And that's what Leading by History does is attempts to bridge those two worlds. I love that. And you, as you just mentioned, are a podcast veteran. So we are excited to have your expertise here with us today. Um, Taylor, why don't you go next? So uh, my name is Taylor Snow. I'm the Secondary Social Studies Specialist for Henrico County Public Schools. So. Uh, one of those counties that sort of um, is a horseshoe over north of, of Richmond. Um, I've been in, this is year number 16 in education, for, 17 in education for me. Um, I grew up and started teaching uh, out in Western Virginia in Carroll County, which, um, you know, in, in spite of the fact that that's no longer where I am growing up there, working there, really starting my teaching career there. Um, informs still informs like everything that I do um it's a group of students who um you know don't always feel like they have a voice in and 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 things and going on in Richmond um you know and, and you can feel like that because you're geographically a long way away or you can feel that as as a kid you know sit like growing up in the city of Richmond a mile from the state capital so that that's kind of my I guess growing up there and, and starting my career there is sort of like my, has sort of set my compass. Um, since then, I, I taught in Henrico County at um, um, Moody Middle School, which is central Henrico, right near the city, for nine years. Um, I was an assistant principal in Goochland County Schools, um, right next door to Henrico for two, and then I uh, worked at the Virginia Department of Ed uh, for a couple of years before uh, coming back to Henrico in this capacity, and uh, it's sort of like uh, 
like the Goldilocks and the three bears kind of thing, you know, like I tried out administration and it was like, it was good, but it was not quite right. And then tried out DOE and it was good, but it was not quite right. And I think I finally sort of found the position. That's exactly what I want to do. This is, um, but yeah, I mean, I love social studies curriculum. Uh, I love working with teachers. Um, it's a great gig. And, and uh, so, oh yeah, for the consortium, I'm our uh, legislative liaison. Um, so, um, you know, for a long time that involved just kind of communicating about legislation and, uh, you know, it, it's become maybe a little bit more since uh, in the last couple of years. So um, but it's, you know, re regardless, it's, it's a fun role to work in. It's great to work with, um, with such a great group of social studies leaders. Well, gentlemen, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. And today uh, we are talking about the future of Virginia's social studies standards and what that is going to look like and the work that you all have been doing to help secure that future for students and teachers uh, in our Commonwealth. So I think it's best, um, you know, I think most teachers are familiar with the standards process and how the revision process works to the standards. The history and social studies standards were released officially in 2015. And now in the past like seven years, they've come up for revision again. And I think that before we kind of get into what has happened in the past few months and where you all come into play in this discussion, it would be helpful to just have sort of a baseline of what the actual revision process usually looks like. So Bo, would you maybe be able to take us through what a normal sort of revision process for the standards should look like in the Commonwealth? Sure, happy to. That's uh, a lot of that's laid out in code. You know, it requires us. Uh, that's That's been a topic in board meetings as of late that uh, we're getting away from what is required of us, uh, not only us as a Commonwealth, but of the Virginia board specifically. Uh, there's been a lot of concerns about not sticking to the established timeline and of course the established process. So that's something that we feel is very, very important. Um, and we've always been a part of that process and have uh, valued that role. Uh, as professionals, as curriculum specialists in particular, of, of informing that work. Uh, we weren't the only people in, involved, of course, but we were a very pivotal group. And I think through the advocacy of our organization and the very positive relationship that we've had with, with working in uh, collaboration with VDOE, that that uh, relationship has grown stronger uh, over the last few iterations of the, of the standards of learning. Uh, so it's every seven years that the standards are, are required to uh, be, it, it, it does not say revised, oftentimes revisions are made, uh, but they're reviewed every uh, seven years. And that, that gives a, a year um, plus, uh, oftentimes turns into two years to actually go through the many steps of this process. So the first steps are, uh, the History and Social Science Office and the professionals that work there will begin building um, uh, a group of educators that are all going to collaborate together. And oftentimes those are classroom teachers as well as practitioners like the folks like us, uh, curriculum specialists and people who work in the divisions. And we look at um, a public comment that is solicited from the larger public, but also specific public comment 
that is solicited from historians and people in the field that can give that that expertise um, and informed feedback from you know their view as professional historians. We incorporate all of that feedback as well as our own experiences to then start to go through the revision process. And that's something that probably unfolds in two different ways of us working specifically with educators and classroom teachers, and then us working as a group of practitioners, uh, folks like the curriculum specialists, like the three of us, uh, working on a specific grade level, all together, you know, 12 different committees, uh, working on the various grade levels and subject areas uh, in the history and social science field. Uh, then that work goes to the history and social science office and they finalize the work, bring it before Virginia board. And then the Virginia board of education will vote to, um, accept the standards for first review. And that's where this process I know one of the subsequent questions deals with where this process got derailed. So we'll, we'll of course segue into greater detail there, but once let's say if they are accepted for first review. Then uh, there's a process to again go through another round of public comment, and then the board will actually um, uh, uh, allow public comment before the board, and then they'll vote for uh, final review and, and acceptance of the standards. Uh, that's typically about a two-year process, a little year plus uh, several months, sometimes as, as, as long as two years. Okay, good. That's really helpful. And I think that it was, I'm really glad that you pointed out that language that this is a, begins as a review process, not a revision process, which I think implies evaluation and taking a real examination of what was presented and accepted by not only the Department of Education, but the public as well um, in the past and how that's going to need to potentially change and adapt for the future, but also how it's serving the public right now. I also think that what you just pointed out sounds like a really public facing process for the most part. Would you agree with that, Bo? Yes, we went through, I mean, there were countless public comments that we were tasked with um, evaluating, uh, determining uh, what the level of public consensus was, like how often these comments are made. Um, and if they show up with a level of frequency, uh, I mean, we consider them all, of course. Uh, you cannot incorporate all public comments into the final document, but if something is, is something that seems to be resonating with the public that is a significant concern, we then try to incorporate that into our revision process. And uh, that certainly informs that as well as our own areas of expertise and experience. So going through and reading all of those took I mean, countless hours, and that involved thousands of Virginians. Uh, so it is a very inclusive process, and it's a very transparent process. And it's a very, most importantly, established process uh, that builds public trust. And I, I feel like we've gotten away from that, which is uh, what a lot of our concerns are, as well as many others. You know, you just alluded to maybe where a hiccup sort of took place in this process. Um, that might be a mild way of phrasing it, but still uh, where things got derailed uh, in the review process this year. So Masayahu, I'm wondering if you could take us through that derailment and what that sort of looked like, maybe not only in terms of a timeline, but how both the, the leadership in Virginia responded 
to the draft of the standards that was released in August, and then how the public has sort of been involved um, as this process has been going on this year. Well, I'll attempt to address it from the perspective of um, a school building educator or you know someone who works at the school level uh the the big issue was that it seemed that every time there was supposed to be information given about the standards uh being updated right the first review coming and so forth and public comment it seemed that those meetings continued to be pushed further and further out it seemed that the opportunity to engage with the superintendent of education and team um, continued to be out of reach of everyday educator and everyday parent and constituent in the in the community. So there was a lot of confusion and conflict with folks around when do we get to come together to talk about the August standards, um, the original standards that had thousands of comments, 6,000, five to 6,000 comments, 200 stakeholders specifically, you know, typing on, on paper, uh, uh, thousands of people in, you know, commenting what happened to that work. And as it, as we drew closer, right, because we know every seven years, we got to do this process. This is the first year where it's felt like we have no idea what's going on. We just don't know. Folks ask questions of the specialists. The specialists say, we don't know. We'll try to figure it out and get back to you. And that has been what we have continuously heard and had to say since the August drafts were finished and the new superintendent came in. There was just never an opportunity, it seemed, to be able to deal with these August standards. So folks were ready to move forward because it was a document that Virginians agreed upon, right? Collectively, there was a large swath of every community that was involved in the process. Um, so when we get to the fateful day of November the 17th, I'm you know, in the downtown area myself, uh, you know, Taylor's downtown, uh, we're attempting to space ourselves between uh, civics, uh, annual civics, uh, you know, a conference, and also what's going on there, um, you know, on, on the Capitol grounds, and and it was just like the news and the information that was coming was everyone was just upset, uh, disappointed, uh, and and as I watched some of the session, I just sat there with my mouth open. Um, at, at some of the, the things that I was hearing. Um, and to see that draft, the Balo draft, Balo draft uh, that came out, um, it, it was just like, what is the superintendent's draft? It doesn't look anything like what was done in August. And I mean, renovated through three instruction. Um, it's, it's completely um, missequenced uh, the general way in which we have taught and tested curriculum and spiraled ideas and concepts from K through 12. It just, it showed clearly 
that those who were at the root of creating this document, the ballot draft of the standards, had no institutional knowledge, no community connection. Uh, it was something done in the dark that eventually was brought to light. And when the light shined on it, we saw what it was, a document lacking in um, intellectual consistency, a, a document that was lacking in uh, pedagogical coherence, um, it was lacking in historicity, um, and, and it just, it, it just, it failed in so many ways, and the public came out and cried out a, a, about that. And one of the big things was, every time someone said, why was this remo removed from the standards, the superintendent would respond, oh, don't worry, that's in the curriculum framework. Uh, and, and so it left all of us saying, what curriculum framework? Because I've created curriculum frameworks and I know how long that process takes. I mean, it can take upwards of six months to a year to actually get something that's ready for the road. And that kind of time was not afforded in this process. So folks were left wondering, are they telling the truth? Is there really a curriculum framework for the ballot draft? Is there really a curriculum framework that has been created with these standards? And I say here today, as of the first of, of the year, uh, we would like and request to see the curriculum framework with the original cover, the date of its inception, and we would like to see it side by side with the November draft, if it's gonna continue to be referred to. And I'm wondering, um, Taylor, if, you know, in addition to everything that Masayahu just mentioned, taking us through, you know, this process and all of the problems um, that were in the November rewrite. Why do you think everything was in the dark during this process? I mean, is there a reason? Like, why was everything sort of done behind the scenes um, with the ballot draft? I, I have my own sort of, <laughs> I guess, thoughts as to, um, as to the why behind that. And so I don't know, it would be a little unfair to speculate because I wouldn't be operating with like access to like to the full facts. What, what, what I will add on to, and, and this is something that I think is worth pointing out for us just again and again, is that, and Bo alluded to it, we, we have an amazing relationship with the folks in the history and social science office of VDOE. That's right. um, and, and that's a, and I, I can speak to that from both having worked in that office. I was I was split between English and social studies. So the, the position that I'm in, uh, that I was in there has been shifted around a little bit and now is all uh, secondary social studies. But I, I experienced that as a, as a as someone working at VDOE uh, and then experienced that as someone working with, with VDOE from, from the, the division level and, and they were gone, you know, in August, uh, Christania Brown, who is the um, social studies coordinator for the state, um, walked through uh, their, the process that her team used and, and was praised by conservative board members and, and uh, that there shouldn't be conservative and liberal board members. And this is the board of education. It's not ideological. But so I guess I should say board members appointed by Governor Yunkin and board members appointed by Governor Northam praised the process and, 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 and the, the pluralism of it. Um, 
know, we talk a lot about like modeling uh, effective civic action. And, and the history and social science office has, with, with at least in terms of their interactions with us at BSSLC, and I think the the teachers in, in Virginia have been, you know, allies, allies in, in, in the way that, you know, they're not a rubber stamp, nor are we for their work. There, there are certainly disagreements sometimes, but um, it's always been about what's best for students. And, and, and tuning into that board meeting in November and, and, not, and, and not even seeing those folks at the dais to, to present the standards, seeing a, a hired consultant from, you know, who you know, up, up until then, no one had, you know, like, so this is not somebody who'd worked in social studies education in Virginia in any sort of like significant curriculum development capacity. Um, so to see that was, um, I think that was another signal as, you know, to your initial question about why was this happening behind closed doors? Um, all we saw is that the folks that we'd worked with for a really long time, who we knew were faithful and honest public servants who care about students had been excluded. You know, like, so you don't need to know any background information. All you needed to do is look at that YouTube stream. So I think that doesn't answer your question completely, but it gives you a sense of like, these are the folks who were, who had led this process faithfully, were praised for it um, by universally, by the board, by Superintendent Balo, and then they were out. So th th that probably begs more questions, but um, th that to me signals the I'm trying to think of the best adjective the, the i guess the problems with the process that led to the november draft and i would i would hate to think that their names would be attached to and i, I know that the public understands what 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 taylor was describing uh but the wider public perhaps does not and uh i was embarrassed as a virginian in that meeting uh, i think all of us were embarrassed as of course social studies professionals and, you know, I think it was very obvious to us, in addition to what Taylor said, but also the content of those standards. And when we read them, uh, clearly the history and social science office would not have signed off on work that refers to indigenous peoples as first immigrants. Um, and to have members of VTEC who we've worked with for years and the history and social science office has built an incredible relationship with to ensure that that history is taught in a culturally responsive and sustaining way, to have that uh, be negated in, 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 in such an offensive way, um, that, that was just indicative of how flawed the process was. But uh, as a professional, I, I, felt, I, I felt for that team because I know how much they value that relationship. So Bo, I'm wondering, you know, as we know now, you know, the Virginia Board of Education declined to accept the Superintendent Bailo's November rewrite of the history and social science standards after nearly four hours of public comment um, on that rewrite. The state board responded by asking Superintendent Bailo to combine the strengths of the original August draft with the November rewrite, along with public comment and feedback that they all received. And so this is where you all come into the story. So we're about mid-November uh, in this point in the timeline, late November, and uh, now we are recording on January 1st. So Bo, could you tell us about sort of the timeline between that ask 
and now, and what the consortium has done to create a combined and collaborative set of standards. Uh, that's been some of the most exciting work that I've done in, in, in this field, uh, just because it, 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 they are collaborative standards, truly. Uh, it's the collaborative work of what started off as the consortium, what uh, Masiahu was referencing started that very day in our Google group with a group of a few individuals creating the crosswalk, trying to uh, understand what had transpired and how far that this work had shifted and how much of it had been disregarded uh, and, and trying to restore us to the original process. So it started literally that day and uh, it, it evolved into um, a work group of about 10 to 11 folks uh, that were all members of VSSLC. Many of them had been involved in the original standards revision process, or I guess review is, is the more uh, appropriate way to describe that. Uh, but they, they were very attuned to um, the process as well as very involved in, in the work itself. Uh, so their level of expertise was invaluable. And we started with that task from the board. <laughs> uh, we, we went back and rewatched. Uh, I know many of you probably are wondering, well, what did the board actually say that day? Uh, what you described was perfect because you have to watch it about six times to be able to, to uh, come to some level of consensus of what actually did the board vote on <laughs> to, to do with, this, uh, with these rewritten standards. And uh, what task did they give to the superintendent? Uh, so we thought that we could reestablish the process. And uh, we decided to take the specifics of what was said at the board meeting by the board members uh, to take the strengths of the August original draft and combine it with the strengths that uh, perhaps the additions uh, that we found acceptable from the November rewrite and combine those into a collaborative document. Uh, what was really interesting is that we had the opportunity to then bring our uh, perspective into the process. So we actually did make a few revisions to be able to bring those together uh, in a constructive way and uh, to have a level of voice, obviously, and consistency in writing the standards, we did have to add some things. But I would say that those were very surgical and very specific. Uh, we did not approach it in terms of a rewrite or anything like that. Uh, we just decided to enhance where we had the opportunity. And those, those edits, when you see the document appear in that kind of cobalt blue, and you notice there's not a lot, but they are uh, very choice revisions and additions and enhancements. And so that's that was, um, I guess, a few weeks with us kind of hunkering down and starting with that draft of the standards. And then we found out that another group, another education organization that um, um, kind of is a leader of best practice in the Commonwealth, a leader of providing professional development, and also an advocacy organization for public ed, uh, Virginia VASCD, uh, had started something similar. And our two groups met, and we decided to <laughs> make them even more collaborative standards and, and bring them into the process. And th that, that, of course, was uh, a, a great benefit 
organizations work together really well and they were willing to use the work that we had already done as kind of like the baseline for then uh, going into the next process and steps in the revision. And uh, a great benefit of their involvement is, is that they were associated and been in discussions with the American Historical Association, the AHA, which is the largest national, largest world organization, I believe, of professional historians. And uh, they were willing to provide kind of like the fact check and work with us through the process. They actually sent people to work with us in person. So they, they contributed uh, actual in-person expertise and, uh, and, and hours of work and actually sent people to travel so that they could collaborate with us directly. And then when we finally finished uh, the, the near finalized draft, they worked through the weekend to fact check it to make sure that it could come out in a timely manner. Uh, so that level of commitment, I, I was um, quite encouraged by, and that was very impressive. And we were very thankful for their, for their efforts because that was all volunteer work. And uh, that's what then produced the document that went before, uh, it was communicated to the Virginia Board of Education as well as folks in VDOE, as well as the larger public. We issued a press release that explained what we did and why, why we felt compelled to do it. And we felt it's what the board asked for and we could use our expertise as people in the field to provide it and hopefully reestablish the process that had been in place for years. That was our goal. And I think that you all have done that very well. I mean, and I think I, as we get into, you know, what the draft that you all have created is, I think it's important to highlight how they are an improvement on the November standards and how they have been working to fix some of the issues that we just talked about. So Masayahu, I wonder if you could explain how your work that you all have done uh, with the VASCD, all of these acronyms, and the AHA, how all of this work has been an improvement on what was proposed in November and how this is going to better serve students and teachers in Virginia. Well, uh, you know, the beauty of the document is that it again does those specific things that the board asked for. Uh, the board asked on November 17th that there be the incorporation of a decoupled August draft and the November draft. That's the original and the ballot draft, along with public comment and feedback that was received, right? They wanted to incorporate those things together. The board asked for there to be a correction of errors and omissions, right? For example, Martin Luther King being removed or things of that nature, or Native Americans being referred as the first immigrants, right? Those things were attempted to be corrected the night before the, the board meeting, but in general, to ensure that those kinds of things were not taking place in the draft. And then to provide a crosswalk that includes a comparison to the 2015 standards, and then to communicate in a timely manner with a transparent process. So those were the asks of the board. Let me say that the superintendent did not deliver on any of those, right? And so uh, the board asked for this to be done before the winter break. They wanted to have the time to review it, 
before they'd come back for a possible meeting in January. Okay. So we wanted to ensure that we fulfilled what the board asked because we saw that the superintendent um, was strapped for the the ability to be able to make that happen, right? So the reason why these drafts are so, th this draft is so important and how these drafts, right, are, are, are important to the, to the effect that they become part of this draft, collaborative draft, as, as it's called, is that it truly shows collaboration. So I want to make clear to the public that this is not for this is a rewrite. So, you know, there are folks who are like, well, we want to see it and want to add things to it or whatever the case may be. Well, that's what the process would have been if there was a, a first draft that was adopted and accepted right by the board but that did not happen it, it didn't occur so because of that um, we knew that it, it there was no way to come back from november 17th with with what was created there if they were going to continue to use the same nine folks that they had used previously uh, these heavily right-leaning organizations and uh, the the emittance of all of the other stakeholders, the African American, you know, education history commission, all those folks, right? All that stuff was just sort of kicked to the curb. This document brings all of that back, as Bo said beautifully. This document sought to put us back on track for what we should have been doing months ago which was having community involvement back in the mix, the community comments back in the mix, and the folks who do the work utmost importance. You can't create standards for history teachers, history instructional specialists, history coaches, history coordinators, and, and history families. That's created by someone with a degree in another area of study that's not even a terminal degree in that area and say they're going to rewrite all of the work that everyone had done, all the historians and scholars and folks who had worked on this. I mean, the Ed Ayers and the, the, the uh, uh, Cassandra Nubia Alexanders and all of like these folks that have been working hard, right? All of the organizations. So this draft does that. It, it gives power back to the people. It says, here's the voice that you were robbed of on November 17th. All of those comments that you placed in that August draft, that original draft, here they are. All of the stuff that you really appreciated from the 2015 draft, here they are. And, and to show that because our organization is made up of people across the uh, political climate. Right, so uh, the VSSLC is not a left or right-leaning organization. We've got folks from various communities all over with disagreements and a whole bunch of different things. But the one thing we agree on is doing good history and creating good history standards and advocating for good history instruction and good history assessment. That's how we come together. We put all of our political ideas and stuff to the side so that we can do what's best for our students and our families and for our teachers. This draft brings us back to that because we even went beyond our disdain. That's not a strong enough word for what was done on November 17th. And we looked at the November draft showing 
that everybody is redeemable, right? Everyone has something about them that can, can be salvaged and can be, you know, um, molded for the good of the community. We looked at that November 17th draft that same way, and we saw that there were things in it that were still valuable. There were things in it that were um, you know, acceptable, and we incorporated those things in. Right. So it wasn't this political thing. Oh, we're trying to make people look bad or we're trying to go against uh, people on other sides of the aisle. That's not even the case. And so uh, that's why this this document is important. Historians have looked at this. Right. Bonafide historians, bonafide educators, curriculum writers and teachers had a voice and not only the 2015, the August document but also in the comments that were given and then our organizations as being boots on the ground in, in the VSSLC, VASCD. Um, so anyway, I, I could say much more and it could be a podcast even in and of itself, just the standards alone, but I wanna make it so clear. This is your opportunity, everyone listening, to get your voice back. You need to really push for a vote to accept the collaborative draft document created by the three history organizations that pulls together the voices of so many who gave time right, and, and energy towards creating the August drafts. I think it's important for us to note that it is a little uncomfortable for us because we greatly value the relationship we've built with VDOE, yes. particularly with, with Christania Brown, Brandy McCracken, and Andrea Emerson who we greatly value their leadership. So we felt that their work had been sidelined and November truly was a rewrite of what they had done according to established process. So we didn't want to dismiss their work. Um, in fact, we wanted to incorporate the strengths of what they had done in August. And we wanted to bring, uh, incorporate that vision into what, what we brought forward. That was a driving force for us. So we don't see ourselves uh, you know, of course, in, in competition in any way, um, we were guided by what they had led. And we felt that that what they had led had been dismissed. I am really grateful to you all. And I've heard that from other teachers who have read this document, you know, that they are grateful to you all for stepping in and creating something that is incredibly useful and valuable. And like you both just said, will hopefully put everything back on track as it should be, you know, and continue to make this a process that we can come back to every seven years and rely on and make sure that we are creating the best set of standards for every stakeholder in our Commonwealth. Um, and I think that the work that you all have done um, is just incredible. And speaking to that, you know, I think that you, one of the things I'll say about this document that you all created is that it's highly readable compared to some of our other documents that we have been working with since August. Um, and I personally just really appreciate that. It's very easy and transparent in terms of the, not only the color coding that you all have done to help us understand, again, how this is truly a combined document, but it also is just incredibly well-organized. Um, and so I just really appreciate that uh, from an education perspective. Uh, and I think that, you know, everyone out there should read it in its entirety, um, but let's be honest, 
not everybody maybe has time, right? Um, and so especially given that we may be getting another document soon um, from the board, uh, what are some of the highlights that we could look to? Taylor, maybe you could speak to this. What are some of the big takeaways that people could have if they aren't able to read the document in its entirety? What do you think are some of maybe the most important things that you all have done here? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing, and you have touched on it a little bit, is just, if, you know, if you only have five minutes to spend with this collaborative standards document, just go through and get a visual using the, the color code. Um, th there were, particularly at the secondary levels, um, there was a lot in the November draft that had, had had been carried over from both 2015, and and there there were there were I, mean, I don't know that considerable is the right word, but there was a decent amount of material that was pulled from the August draft as well. So it, truly, like I want to emphasize, like and, and you know I, I won't. I think at the K three level, um, there were. The changes to the November draft were much, much, much more radical. Um, so you might not see as much of that, um, you know, green color coding, which is uh, content from the November draft if you're looking through K3. But you know, I'd encourage, you know, if, if you know, thinking about an audience of social studies teachers, you know, go if if you've got more than five minutes, but maybe less than half an hour, go look at the, the content that you teach the most. You know, if you teach world history too, go go look at world history too, and. And, and don't just think about it as August draft, November draft, but think about like, how has it evolved from 2015? Uh, and, and, and the biggest thing, and I remember when the 2015 standards came out, being a classroom teacher and thinking, you know, what opportunity, opp opportunities does this afford me as a, as a classroom teacher? Like, what, can I, what, what additional learning opportunities can I provide my students as a result of of some of the, the, the revisions and, and it's exciting, right? Like, like, like we're, we're all like teachers at heart, right? And, and when you get like a new topic to teach that, that, that you're just on fire about, um, that, that's, that's what these revisions should be all about, right? Is like, what, what new content do I, do I get to teach as, as, a, as a classroom teacher? What, what content do I get to do curriculum writing for as a curriculum writer or help supervise as a specialist? Um, like what's in there that I'm really excited about just you know either as just in terms of like you know we're all life like lifelong learners right like I want to learn more about um you know Gentileschi who's a you know female renaissance or baroque renaissance artist who appears in our the collaborative world history one document right um just, just go through and look at the, the the content that you teach that that you um you know care the most about and 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 See what you think. The other thing I would would point to too is that there's a lot of verbiage in the standards that um, preserves local school divisions' ability to write curriculum. And that's something that's worth noting too. The curriculum framework is not curriculum. Uh, it, it's it's about un, unpacking what these topics are, uh, what assessment around these topics might look like. Uh, which was the original purpose of the curriculum frameworks when they first started back in like 1997. It was about kind of giving some insight into what assessment would be. But um, I think these standards also give, you know, if you teach in, in Bristol city schools uh, on the Virginia side of the border there, and you want to teach about the Carter family in U.S. history too, and talk about their contributions to, you know, to art during the Great Depression, 
because that makes sense for you because your students are five miles from the place where they they recorded the Bristol sessions, then then there there's room to do that in your local curriculum. And if you you know are a teacher in Portsmouth and want to talk about the the Golden Gate Quartet, which was this amazing uh, gospel quartet that emerged from Booker T. Washington High School, um, you can do that. You know, and and you know the Carter family might not make sense in Portsmouth in the way that it makes sense in Bristol, and the Golden Gate Quartet might not make sense in Bristol in the way that it does in Portsmouth. But um, the the way this document is structured um, leaves room for that, which which you know. In, in Virginia is very important to us, right? We care a lot about history here. We've got a lot of it, but um, the example I always use is Jack Jewett means something different to people in Albemarle and Charlottesville and Orange and Fluvanna than he does to people, you know, in Tazewell County. Um, so I think that's another strength of the document. And I think too, you know, I, you all have sort of alluded to this that, you know, if if one does have the time to go through and read the document in its entirety, there may be points in it that, you know, I could say for my US2, like that it might not have this exact person or figure mentioned in it, or this, this group named that I want to study, or that I personally feel as an educator is going to be really important to my students. So if there is someone who is concerned that someone or something is missing from these combined standards, Masayahu, I and I asked you this question, you know, last week, and I just loved your answer. So I wanted to re-ask you, you know, in front of everyone on the podcast, what would you say to someone who is concerned that something or someone might be missing from this combined standards document? You know, it's it's one of those things where it's human nature to, you know, take advantage of opportunity when it arises or perceived opportunity. So if folks think, oh, well, we have the standards document and immediately there were a lot of people that were, you know, wanting to, to jump in and say, oh, we want to add some things. And it's, you know, and we were attempting to, to help people understand it's, it doesn't really work that way. We're attempting to get folks back to the process, right? So that you, this draft can be accepted and then you can begin to add things that you think need to be added, but we need to have a starting place. So I would, I would say that folks don't need to be any more concerned about what's in this draft uh, than they were concerned about what was happening in August. And at the end of the process, because those things are still there. So I want I want that to be clear because, you know, you hear about all oh, these new standards were created. So person that's never done that thinks, oh, they just went and just made all these new standards. They did what Superintendent Ballot did with the November draft, the ballot draft, right? But that's not what happened here. We, we took into account those things that were in the original draft, the ballot draft, and then we went back to correct omissions and mistakes and errors as the board requested. So um, I would say to just ensure that this is the draft that the board accepts, and then let's open back up the process and anything that you think is missing, anything that you wanna see in there, we run through the same process that we did before uh, when the August draft was, was created. So don't be concerned about anything being missing because if you walked away from the August draft saying, I fully support it, 
I, I truly honestly believe that you'll look at this draft and say, I fully support this as well. We use language like including, but not limited to. Uh, so there are some must haves. Any curriculum does have to identify certain folks. Like you remember the November draft originally had, had cut out uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from the elementary standards in, in entirety, uh, the man himself as well as the holiday. Uh, so there are some must-haves in curriculum, of course, but uh, to get back to, to Taylor's point, the unpacking of the SOLs, we have to, you know, not only give a level of flexibility to divisions, but we know that teachers have to develop and own their curriculum. I mean, that's part of their, that's the essence of their craft. This language that was in November uh, suggesting that that's not necessary was very concerning to us as professionals because we see that as what we do every day. Uh, we don't want, and I don't think any parent wants a pre-canned curriculum with bold-faced words and matching activities and definitions to copy down. We know that that's terrible instruction and we don't want canned curriculum that stifles teachers' creativity and voice. Because who wants to sit in that classroom? I don't want my kids in that classroom. And I know parents, regardless of their political uh, identification or affiliations, would want their students, their children, uh, to be treated as students in that manner. Uh, we want students to have agency and a voice and be able to determine their own opinions based upon what they learn uh, from multiple perspectives. And we feel that this curriculum offers those multiple perspectives so that they can make informed decisions and, and develop informed opinions. Uh, but that's the purpose of social studies education. <laughs> uh, we want to save that, you know, more than anything. Uh, and the fact that that was articulated the way that it was in the November draft, uh, we didn't want to correct that. Uh, because to get to Taylor's point again, about how we unpack it and how it becomes relevant for communities and to individual teachers, uh, that flexibility uh, and that freedom is very, very important in our view. Yeah, the standards is intended to be simply a foundational starting point, you know, and to make sure that we are still able to be responsive to our students in our classrooms, because that is, of course, one of the most vital aspects of teaching is being able to make the information, you know, connect with our students and have our students connect to history um, in a way that's personal to them. Otherwise, they won't find that particular value in it, you know, and I think too something else that I just really want to highlight is that you are you are basing everything off of inquiry. And I think that that is incredibly important to make sure that we are in the historical profession leading with inquiry. That is what history is. It is asking questions about the past to better understand it. And so by doing that in this document, again, we are encouraging students to think critically about the materials that are being presented to them. And so we just have a couple of questions left here. Um, what are you the most proud of about the combined standards document? I mean, I, I, I know right away, I don't even need to stop to think um, the process. But like we, we've, we've, we've talked about it a lot, but like it's, it's a pluralistic and little d democratic process that where, you know, you take um, 
public comment freely given and ensure that that's reflected in a way that's that's meaningful when possible and you take feedback and it, you know it, it's created as part of an iterative process that included folks with a vested interest in Virginia social studies education you know right like one of the, the that we get back to that list of nine groups that help with that November draft and the Louisiana Board of Education's on there, right? So like, I, you know, I, I have, it seems pretty clear that the Louisiana Board of Ed or D Department of Ed had more input on that November draft than our own Virginia Department of Education Social Studies office did. And so what are the next steps in this process? What are the next steps for you all? And how likely is it that these will be adopted? Well, you know, our hope is that as we continue on programs like this, platforms like this across uh, social media platforms, word of mouth, uh, our hope is that uh, the collaborative standards draft done by the VSSLC uh, in collaboration with the two other organizations, that it gets into the hands of teachers. We we want teachers to get their hands on this document. We want them to look through it. We want them to, you know, feel um, comfort in knowing that their cries were heard on November the 17th. We want families to get this document. We want, uh, you know, organizations like the Latino Advisory Board, the NAACP, uh, you know, any other organization that, uh, you know, works with uh, large swaths of our community, uh, we want them to get their hands on this draft. And we want everybody to look at it, examine it, go through it, recognize uh, the the more succinctness of this draft over the ballot draft and to push for the board to accept this draft. And I believe that if we have enough of our uh, community members and stakeholders fighting for this, um, that the board will listen, they'll accept this uh, draft for first review, and then the process that we all know will come back and uh, we can work on making this uh, the best standards that we've ever seen in the history of the Commonwealth. And what can listeners do to help support the work that you all are doing? I would say uh, the, the next board meeting, uh, which they had discussed the possible meeting being added in January, we're still watching to see if that unfolds or not, but it looks unlikely. Uh, so uh, it's February 1st and 2nd in, in public on 2nd. Uh, so the 2nd of February at the James Monroe building in Richmond, uh, make your voices heard either through and we have an advocacy doc uh, that's easily accessible. Uh, we'll put that in the notes for the podcast, but uh, it's very easily shared. It's just tinyurl.com backslash VA dash social studies, all, all one word. And that will take you to a, a landing page that you can access the standards themselves, see them in their entirety. You can look at the press release that's on the front page that talks about our process and our vision. Uh, and our guiding principles. And you can also access sample letters that you can send to the Virginia board. Uh, of course, you can download those, make a copy and make it your own, of course. Uh, but it gives you a starting point of what, some, what are some of the, the general talking points. Uh, and it gives you the emails <laughs> where you can send those public comments. I would say most importantly, uh, it is in-person public comment that's the most compelling. I, I believe it was in-person public comment 
that made the Virginia board reconsider what was being proposed in November. That was nearly four hours of public comment that was quite impassioned. And, and people advocated for what they believed in. Uh, we have to do that again if we want something that we believe in. Masayahu, Taylor, Bo, thank you all so much for being on today's episode. I really enjoyed having you all here. Um, and I think that the work that you've done and that you are continuing to do for social studies in the Commonwealth is so important. And so I'm just really grateful. Thanks for having us. Do you all have anything that you want to share with our listeners about how they can connect with you um, and maybe in any social media handles that you want to plug uh, before we wrap up? Well, you can uh, contact me through leadingbyhistory.com and uh, please go out and subscribe to the podcast and sort of see the work that's being done to um, to bridge the gap between higher ed and the K-12 classroom. I think it's uh, important work and it's also reflected in the standard works that, you know, that we just uh, got finished doing as well. So feel free to reach out to me there. Um, yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, mostly just like division social studies specialist kind of stuff, you know, um, praising teachers, initiatives, sharing interesting things, things like that. But um, you could follow me at it's at HCPS Snow, so HCPS in Rico County Public Schools, uh, Snow S N O W, um, and would love to interact with you there. Um, yeah, or around around any topic you'd like. I'm I'm excited for the, the prospect of my my job getting normal and kind of boring again, <laughs> boring in a good way, but uh, excited just to talk about history and uh, and best practice and things like that. So. Um, um, yeah, uh, reach out to me via Twitter and I'll, um, yeah, I would love to connect with anybody. Your Twitter handle sounds like you do uh, weather reports for Henrico as well. Is that true? <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not not quite, but uh, having a, a, a last name that's a weather event uh, can, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of uh, weather channel results that pop up with a, with a quick Google. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Um, Bo, where can everyone connect with you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks again for having us. Uh, I also use Twitter and it's just at Bo Dickinson. Uh, so I'm a B-E-A-U. If you go to B-O Dickinson, that's another guy. Uh, so uh, feel free to reach out to me there. And uh, we also have uh, an organizational email. You can get uh, bsslc.org uh, to access that email to contact us uh, through, through that avenue, as well as we also have a presence on Twitter and it is at the V-A-S-S-L-C. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much again for speaking with me today. And listeners, don't forget to follow the Virginia Council for the Social Studies on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is VA Social Studies, all one word. Also, don't forget to register for our conference coming up on March 24th and 25th in Richmond. Uh, it is going to be just a great time. And, you know, you'll get to meet all of these guys there. So uh, you need to come. You can also follow me on Twitter at Sam underscore or if you trail one. And if you like today's episode, subscribe and give us a five-star review as it helps others find our podcast. We'll see you next time on Content to Content.